You are tuning into the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. This is the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition Upload, presented by Thrush Creative Co. Make sure you go check out thrushcreativeco.com to check out the services that are offered today. Thrush Creative Co. is owned and operated by Aaron Robinson. Let Thrush Creative Co. and Aaron Robinson help you establish your brand with graphic design, social media marketing, UI design, and content creation. You can check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Thrush Creative Co. And if you're looking for some work, or to measure the brilliance? Very simple. On top of checking out his website, just go to thegamesportshow.com. That entire design and layout of that website was done by the fantastic work of Aaron Robinson and Thrush Creative Co. If you're looking to enhance your business, even start or grow your business, look no further than with Aaron Robinson and Thrush Creative Co. Now, let's get to this soccer edition upload of the Game Sports Show powered by the Game Entertainment and Media with openings with David McCaig Jr. and the show being hosted by Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition Upload, presented by Thrush Creative Co. and powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. It is David McKaig here, and joined by Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino, who will be your hosts. I'm just the individual that's kind of the one announcing whom the hosts are going to be before we segue into the show. This is the second episode of our Soccer Edition Upload, which again, I must remind you, is presented by Thrush Creative Co. And speaking of... Thrush Creative Co., i got to give a shout-out to Aaron Robinson. Like, you may be listening to this edition on one of our podcast platforms that we're on, and trust me, we're on many, but you may have been directed here through the GameSportsShow.com website, and that website is designed by Aaron Robinson and Thrush Creative Co., and it is fantastic. It's a very simple layout, and it's just so eye-catching and fantastic, and he assisted with the great video upload right at the beginning of the website and the homepage, which everyone knows I love hearing my own voice sometimes because the amount of times I talk and length I talk, so make sure you check out what Thrush did for the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media, as well as check out his website where with Thrush Creative Co., he does a lot of business avenue assistance, and you can go to thrushcreativeco.com and just reach out to Aaron that way, and thank you again to Aaron. Aaron Robinson, a fellow Leaf fan, which we don't say too often at this current time. But we're not talking hockey. We are talking soccer in this upload. And I must even say before I slide on over to uh, Scott and to Daniel is that we do have a job opening with the game entertainment and media. And I was like, what? What is this? What do you mean? Uh, there is a sales consultant position that is open. You can apply online or if you want to apply, you can do it through our website, thegamesportshow.com. Just give it to the attention of the sales consultant position. It is based here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, but we are also taking online ad advertisement consultants as well from Southern Ontario, so we may be hiring more than one, that means, hint, hint. So if you want to be a part of a great team and a part of a growing company, the Game Entertainment and Media, make sure you apply, and we will get more details once you do apply or if you have any questions. I already said who I was. I already said who the two main hosts are going to be. I'm going to say hi to them first before I basically say goodbye. So Scotty, my friend, going to you first. You got the rank, the most seniority out of uh, even myself uh, with the game sports show. So how are you, my friend? What are you saying? I'm old, Dave? Is, is that where you're going with this? No, I'm doing great. Appreciate you setting this up with Daniel uh, talking soccer and thanks for hosting. Uh, definitely. You know what? It's fantastic. I like to say that I am like the 
I start off on the Bruce Buffer, if you will, announcing you both into the ring. Again, that's not a soccer reference. I've used every other sport reference besides soccer in this one because you know what? I don't want to go with soccer analogies because I can't live up to the hype that you both uh, certainly can go with the analogies with that. And that's the main reason why you two hosts and I just open the show so I can just talk my smack to start and then get everyone saying, holy crap, Dave, hurry up, get to the second guest already. And I'm going to or should I say second co-host, rather, correcting myself, Daniel Scarpino, my cousin, my friend, soccer analyst, well-known soccer individual in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He got a little bit of a longer intro than me just saying rank to Scott Nason, but everyone knows who Scott is. So, Scarps, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, man. Uh, glad to be on the second show here with you guys and uh, looking forward to this one and many more to come. Very exciting time with soccer right now. Definitely. It's great, especially if you're an Italian fan, eh, Scarps? Uh, no. I think Man, very good in the group stage. Very good. Very good. Now, you know what? I know that much. And uh, we are related uh, through the Italian bloodlines here, much like a lot of other people are in Sioux Same Race. I know a lot of Siouxites are certainly keeping an eye on that. And as I mentioned, thegamesportshow.com. Hit like, follow, and subscribe on all of our platforms. Loads of episodes with our most recent upload with ESPN 1400. We have a special edition upload coming up by the end of this week with Dan Lacatour. And oh my goodness, was that upload something special, let me tell you. So I'm going to give it over to Scott right now, who is actually going to take over the entirety of the show with Daniel, of course. And he's even going to go to the sign-off. I won't be at the sign-off, so I want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. You're in for a treat for the second episode with Soccer, presented by Thrush Creative Co. Scott, my friend, take it away. Appreciate it, Dave. We'll talk to you Monday night on ESPN 1400 for our next edition of the game. Uh, Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino here talking soccer. And Daniel, we're going to spend the majority of the show. uh, We'll talk about some local soccer at the end of the show, but we're going to spend the majority of the show talking about the the big tournament going on in Europe. Uh, Euro 2020, as we record this edition on a Thursday night, we're just uh, less than 48 hours away from the knockout stage. And Daniel, we're going to look at all the uh, you know matchups and group stages and how they went. But you know, it was a little over, or a little under, I should say, two weeks ago when Euro 2020 started, and really the big news of the tournament, and it will be the biggest news, despite who wins, who loses, is what happened to Christian Eriksen for Team Denmark in the second match of the tournament. It was Finland taking on Denmark in Copenhagen. I was watching that match. I am a big Finland fan, and they didn't make it through. But something I have never witnessed in a live sporting event, Daniel, happened. As most of our listeners, and certainly those that are listening to this show know, uh, Christian Eriksen collapsed. He had a uh, heart problem. He was out for many minutes and just the scenes that were going on in Copenhagen during that time and afterwards were just unbelievable. I got to admit, Daniel, I've watched a lot of sports in my day and it was the scariest scene I have ever seen. Now, the good news is Erickson did survive the incident. He did meet with his team and looks like he's going to be okay. But Daniel, just kind of walk us through what your thoughts were when that happened and just the aftermath. And it was certainly just one of the scariest things you'll ever see. And thankfully, thankfully, no one was really seriously hurt. Yeah, Scott, it was for me, having watch having watched that game live i was sat there on my coach watching it and i was doing some work uh for my job um as i was watching the match and the ball went over a throw in very routine stuff ball was picked up and uh the ball got thrown into erickson i saw him fall on the floor and i almost thought like 
he tripped over his own feet and the ball went back to the the player who took the throw and I thought, oh, okay, that's strange. And then immediately I saw the player asking the referee to stop the game and then the referee took immediate action to wave the medical team onto the field. And then when the camera zoomed in on Erickson's face, I've played sports all my life. I still do play sports. I've coached sports. I've watched sports. I've seen broken bones. I've seen a multitude of things where it's been gross and you know disgusting and, and not good. This was the first time in my entire life when I thought I was going to be sick because in the camera's yeah. on his face, my mind immediately, and I, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, I, my mind went to the worst. I thought, that's it. But the medical team has to be commended as if they, they didn't do enough for us this past year and a half with the pandemic. They did a great job. Um, and then obviously when the image surfaced a few moments after he was carted off the field with his eyes open and him rubbing his head, that gave me a bit of relief. And then about an hour later, when the report came out that he was alert and that he was stable in hospital, that was another relief. I didn't know how I was going to feel if they restarted the game. And I didn't exactly know how I felt until the ball was actually dropped in possession to Denmark just as the game restarted. I really felt that it was inappropriate to restart the game because they do give 48 hours for a game to be replayed if there's a COVID issue. Um Christian Eriksen had cardiac arrest and that wasn't enough to delay the game regardless. The biggest thing that came out of this is that he is okay, he is stable. And like you said, regardless of who wins or loses this tournament, that will be the uh, the most positive news that comes out of this Euro 2020. Yeah, Daniel, I had the same feelings. Uh, my wife's an athletic trainer here in Sault Ste. Marie for Lake Superior State University, and she was watching it with me. And I mean, just was just unbelievable scenes. But, but like you said, credit to the medical professionals, the, the doctors, the athletic trainers, not just in this match, but, you know, in general, they do a lot of work, don't get noticed very much and certainly saved Christian's Erickson's life. And I agree 100 percent with you as a Finland fan. It was tough to win that game because of everything that happened because at that point the game and the points didn't matter it certainly should have been something in my opinion that got pushed back like you said 48 hours but we can't change that but the good news is Christian Erickson is okay and thankfully he is uh, Daniel uh, let's look at the group stage uh, play which ended yesterday oh my goodness we'll we'll talk about group F in a bit but let's start with the uh, group A uh, Italy no real surprise that they won the group but the fact that they still haven't conceded a goal in over a thousand minutes of soccer, they run away with Group A finishing first with nine points. We'll talk about their round of 16 matchup with all of them coming up. Uh, Wales, maybe a little bit of a surprise number two, although I thought they would be there. Uh, they are into the next round with four points. Uh, Switzerland as well with four. And Turkey, boy, I think of any team in the group stage that had somewhat decent expectations but just did not deliver. Turkey just looked horrible in this uh, tournament. Your thoughts on Group A? Uh, really not too many surprises, but maybe the way how Italy won and how Turkey just was terrible, that might have been a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I have to say that for the most part, this group did pay, uh, play out the way that we thought it would. We predicted that Italy, Wales, and Switzerland would go through. I would say just to start with Italy, I thought that they were sublime uh, in terms of the way that they played. Certainly on form, the best team coming out of the group stage right now. Not necessarily on paper. I think the likes of France and Belgium are a little bit better on paper. But certainly on form, Italy are the best team coming out of the group stage. The way that Mancini utilizes that 4-3-3, 
is fantastic. They're not playing the traditional quote-unquote Italian uh, soccer where they're just defending deep. They're really good in the counter press, really good from wide areas. Um, And I thought that they looked quality in all facets of their play. Obviously, uh, 11 clean sheets in a row, as uh, as you just alluded to, with uh, not being able, not having conceded a goal for over a thousand minutes of soccer. But uh, the other thing that really impressed me with Italy was their depth. I think that having guys being rested in that final game against uh, Wales was huge. Wales, for me, you know, I think the biggest thing that's that's you know gonna let them down maybe in the end is the fact that a lot of their guys don't have regular first team football at club level the likes of Daniel James Ben Davies even Gareth Bale if you like under Jose Mourinho and Zinedine Zidane didn't get a ton of minutes this season but regardless they are a youthful side they do push quite a bit and uh, they did show some resilience especially in that first game against Switzerland when uh, they came back to tie at 1-1 Switzerland for me little disappointing if I gotta if I gotta be honest there Scott I thought that they lacked application in terms of tactics and I thought that from a mental toughness point of view they weren't very good conceded every game um, I thought that th- th- there were some issues that I saw there that I wasn't particularly happy with I, th- I expected more from them but they still get through and like you said Turkey uh, for me shambolic uh, they were the number one in terms of fan polls in terms uh, when it came to dark horse in this tournament they were ranked number one amongst uh, fans at this tournament so they were uh, a real letdown scott yeah and the fun thing about watching italy daniel you you alluded to it it's not the traditional italian style of football the one nil victories where you're not moving people forward i mean you look at what locatelli and immobile did you know big surprises and, and mancini i i can't say enough about the job that he's done as manager just to kind of you know to change up the style a little bit i mean you got Verratti. Uh, that could come back after he got injured against Wells. Uh, hopefully for Italy, for Italy rather, Cialini comes back. I love that guy. And, you know, this looks like a very loose group. And they didn't have the pressure of expectations that a lot of these countries had going into the tournament. So I love what Italy has done. Uh, certainly they will be favored in their first matchup. And then they're on that side of the bracket that we'll talk about, Daniel. That is very tough. Uh, Wales, you know, Gareth Bale's not quite the Gareth Bale that we've seen in the past. And I just don't think that they can go far. Uh, Switzerland, they advance. They they get to these big tournaments. They advance out of the group stage. They don't go very much further than that. So I think in Group A, Italy would be the one certainly to watch. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino on this special soccer edition of the game. And the game is sponsored by Northern Superior Brewery. Brewery, easy for me to say. Northern Superior Brewery, where you can get some fantastic brew. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out at northernsuperior.org. Free local deliveries and delicious locally crafted beer, all at Northern Superior Brewing Company. Daniel, let's look at Group B, a runaway for Belgium. Uh, They cruise with nine points on three victories. Then you had three teams that were one and two. Uh, Denmark does get the automatic birth, if you will, to the round of 16 uh, with a better goal differential as they uh, spanked Russia 4-1. to one. Finland just misses out by a goal. Again, the Finns happy to be there. Certainly just didn't have enough imagination, not enough offensive uh, weapons there. And Russia, kind of, again, a team that overachieved, in my opinion, Daniel, in the last World Cup, and they did very well making it to the quarterfinals. But really no surprise here, I think, in Group B, pretty much the way we thought this would shake out. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, we knew that Belgium would would cruise uh, relatively easily in this group. Um, and for me, obviously, they like you said, they get nine points from a possible nine. They have seven goals scored. They only concede one. They remind me so much, to be perfectly honest with you, if you take a look at when France won the World Cup in 2018, you look at that French squad and you thought to yourself, can't really pick out something that's wrong with them. And I look at this Belgium squad and I think much of the same. I admire so much about them. I think they're really strong in the attack. I think defensively that they're excellent. I think Roberto Martinez, as the manager, has done a fantastic job with them. Are there things to improve on? I'm certain of that. But as a golden generation squad, you'd have to say that they are technically brilliant, tactically brilliant. I think that they have the humility and the empathy to go out and really try and uh, win this tournament. For me, Denmark, three words really uh, uh, define them, dare to dream. I think obviously with, with what they went through with the Christian Eriksen situation was unthinkable for that team, that coaching staff and that entire nation. But um, as as we saw them in the group stage, their first game was obviously, I don't really count that too much. When they played Belgium, they put in a really strong performance, especially in that first half. I thought they played really well. And then in that third game against Russia, they uh, they played like their like their lives depended on, and they were absolutely sensational, scoring four goals. So I think that they absolutely deserve to get through. As you said, for Finland, it's a tip of the hat to them. I think for them to be at this tournament, uh, I think was a huge honor. But for me, I didn't think that the that the Finns performed poorly. I was I was quite impressed with some of the things that they did. I just don't think that they had, like you said, enough imagination, perhaps enough quality to get through. Now for me. Russia, like you said, overachieved at the World Cup, and I do agree with that. But I think that Russia needs to be questioned in terms of what the manager decided to do. Get this yeah. here, Scott. In the three games that they played, the manager changed the formation every single game. He started the first game and he played a 4-2-3-1 against Belgium, trying to use two holding midfielders in front of the back four to offer extra protection. Second game, he goes to a 3-4-2-1, so a lot more attacking. The third game, he changes it to a 3-5-1-1, so he assigns specific number 10 and number 9 roles up top. You cannot make that many changes, at, even at this level as professional. No. This is not the time to experiment. It's not the time to tweak. And when they look at their record in terms of goal difference, they conceded seven goals. They only scored two, and you'll have to remember that one of them was from a penalty. So when they look at that, that overall goal difference, they're going to be disappointed with that uh, alone. Yeah, Daniel, uh, looking at Belgium, you know, this is, like you said, the golden generation and, and a team that, you know, th their window's running out as, as far as when they can, you know, be parts of, you know, big competitions like this and have the chance to win. And so I think I think you're, you're starting to see the golden generation and uh, possibly on their last leg. But you look at this team, I mean, De Bruyne looks better. Hazard starting to appear to be fit, something that we haven't seen in a while. And Lukaku has three goals. If Belgium was to win this year's Euro Cup, and we're going to talk more about that with the matchups, potential matchups. So we know they're going to play Portugal. Then very likely they would play Italy. Then they could play France or Spain and then England or Germany. So if Belgium wins this, it could be the greatest route to a final ever uh, for them. Denmark, like you said, Daniel, certainly uh, dare to dream, and they're in a good section of the draw as far as potentially advancing at least to a semifinal. We'll talk about that in a moment. And Denmark has done this before as an underdog. Back in 1992, they were one of the minnows of Europe or the uh, smaller countries, if you will, and they won the whole thing. So this is something certainly that would be a storybook ending. 
They got a good draw, but I just don't know if they have enough to beat the power uh, teams that are advancing. Uh, Daniel, Group C, I think maybe this was the weakest of all the groups. The Netherlands looked good. Didn't look great, but they won all their matches, and so they advance out of Group C. Austria, a nice job by them to advance uh, as well. Ukraine just gets in with those three points. And North Macedonia, much like Finland, happy to be there, but I think Finland played a lot better than North Macedonia. Uh, really no, too, not too much of a surprise in Group C. I thought maybe Ukraine would uh, you know, finish in second over Austria, but that one pretty much shook out as we thought it would as well. Yeah, again, Scott, for, for Group C, and it sounds like we have a, a pattern here, and we'll talk a little bit more about how many picks we actually got right. But for Group C, we picked it perfectly here again. Spots one, two, and three we got correct. I think the Netherlands, I still go back to the fact that they don't have Virgil van Dijk. I just think from a defensive point of view, there's something that just looks a little bit off. Sometimes the center backs are split. The full backs aren't tight enough to their marks, especially in transition. There's just some things defensively where I question. However, when you take a look at their... Uh, their goals that they've scored, I think the likes of um, Memphis Depay and, and Denzel Dumfries and, and players like that, I think that they played really well. So in the attack, they probably don't have too much to be concerned about. They cruise through this group with relative ease. They gain nine points from a possible nine, and uh, they have to be lauded for uh, their efforts there. For me, Austria, again, they did enough to get through. I think that this is still a relatively experienced side. The one thing that kind of concerns me with Austria, and we're going to talk about their matchup with Italy later, uh, Franco Foda, the, the manager for Austria, he really enjoys playing a high line. But the thing that I noticed with Austria from a tactical point of view is that even if there's no direct pressure on the ball in midfield, that back line is still pushing so high. And I think against a team like Italy or any top nation, you can get punished like that. But regardless, uh, Austria did more than enough to, to get through and get second spot in the group. And I thought that, uh, you know, not, not, not too bad of a side. They were a decent watch. Uh, Ukraine, like you said, did just enough. I thought that they would get third place, and, and we both thought that they would go through. I think that probably going into the round of 16, they're going to need a tactical masterclass from Shevchenko um, in order to get through. But overall, not not terrible, but I don't think that maybe they're necessarily ready for this level of competition quite yet. And then, as you said, North Macedonia, they probably just weren't ready for this competition. They had to rely on a 37-year-old Goran Pandev to, to try and carry them through. But again, for them to be here was an honor. Yeah, exactly. And going back to the Netherlands, uh, manager Frank De Boer's uh, switch and very controversial in Netherlands to the 3-5-2. That has certainly uh, paid dividends for the Dutch, especially for uh, Dumfries, who I thought has played very well. I, I don't expect any of those teams really to make a deep run. The Netherlands, though, they certainly have probably the best draw to the quarterfinals. They take on Czech Republic, you know, a, a decent team, and then either Wales or Denmark. So very well could see the Netherlands back in the semifinals. And this is a country that has missed the last two major international tournaments. So certainly uh, the Dutch fans will be wanting to have that for sure and be wearing a lot of orange. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you on this special edition of the game, the soccer edition. And this edition brought to you by SportsCenter Bar & Grill, Sue's Best Sports Bar, five years in a row, two years. Best wings, check them out on social media and make sure to check them out for some takeout and when lockdown lifts to go enjoy the top-notch atmosphere. Group D, Daniel, well, England didn't give up a goal. They topped the group. 
and they get rewarded by taking on one of the teams from the group of death in Germany, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I think if you looked at the British uh, tabloids and the sports pages, I lived there for three years, and I'll tell you, there is no more scrutinizing media than the British soccer media or football in England. Croatia also gets through uh, with a win over Scotland in second, and then Czech Republic uh, does make third, uh, getting one of those third-place bids. Uh, And Scotland, uh, a good tournament, their first one in 25 years, but obviously not what they wanted. But, boy, we had some great atmosphere there in Glasgow for a couple of the matches. Uh, Daniel, Group D, kind of what we thought, but maybe not the way that it went down. Your thoughts on Group D? Yeah, for sure. I I mean, we did say that England and and Croatia would go through in the top two spots. Uh, I was thinking that on momentum, and just like we talked about uh, in our first time where we uh, discussed opening up the tournament that Scotland would go through, but it's actually the Czechs that do it. So, you know, kind of the way you'd expect it to shake up, but maybe the way that the games played are a little bit different. I think that you summarized it perfectly with how scrutinized English football or English soccer is. Even if Gareth Southgate, the manager of England, gets his decisions correct, it's still wrong. I, yep. listened, to, I listened to a podcast this morning. I'm not going to mention the name of the person or the, the outlet that it came, but it said that if England doesn't get to the final of this tournament, that it'll be a national disgrace. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say pressure because there's bigger things in life than, than soccer, but there is a lot of pressure on this England team. And I think that Gareth Southgate is a very pragmatic manager. He likes to play the two holding midfielders in front of the back four. He likes to stay solid. And obviously you saw that not conceding a goal in the group stage. They were very good. I think offensively and in the attack, they're going to need a little bit more versatility. They only scored two goals. Raheem Sterling scored both of them. Harry Kane, his legs look a little bit heavy. I think that they're going to need something else in order to to get them going up front. Maybe it's going to be Jack Grealish. Maybe it's going to be Bakayo Saka. But it's going to be need to be somebody to to kind of relieve some of the pressure off Kane and, and try and offer a bit more versatility versatility in the attack. Croatia, I thought in their first two games they uh, they, they they looked a little bit poor. They looked as if they were. They were out of it a little bit, but then obviously when it mattered most, they produced a really strong performance against Scotland. Um, I think when you see a Golden Generation team the following tournament, you see them drop a little bit, and I think that's what we're seeing with Croatia right now at the 2018 World Cup. Golden Generation, they were fantastic. This time around, I think that they've dropped a little bit, but they still did enough to get through to the round of 16. Checks, they were a bit of a surprise for me, to be honest, because I didn't have them... uh, finishing third in this group, let alone getting through to the uh, the round of 16. But they looked uh, a stable a stable squad. I think the likes of Suchek, Sufal, Schick, I think these are good players. Um, and they look like they have a bit of poise to them. They only conceded two goals. They were able to score three. I think their way forward in this tournament, if they're going to try and, and get past the round of 16, is through counterattacking still. Obviously easier said than done. But we'll see what happens with them. And then Scotland, as far as I'm concerned, they have nothing to hang their heads about. I think the fact that Billy Gilmore couldn't play in that third game because of the COVID situation, I actually think that that hurt them. But uh, in the end, they don't have anything to hang their heads about. Um, and some might even argue that they deserved a better fate. They were really, really good against England. And uh, ultimately, like you said, this group kind of played out the way that we thought it would. Yeah, it did, Daniel. And uh, the goal by shift there against Scotland from midfield, unbelievable. One of the best mm-hmm. goals you will ever see. Probably the goal of the tournament, unless something really special happens. And England, you know, Harry Kane has to be a concern the way he's playing. He just does not look 
even out there right now. Uh, luckily for England, Sterling has picked up the slack a little bit. But again, England has that home field advantage. If things play out, they could only play one road game, and that would be the quarterfinal, which would be in Rome. But England has a little matter to deal with Germany before we get to that, Daniel. Uh, Group E, uh, maybe a surprise winner here. I think of all the group winners, this one, the biggest surprise, Sweden, it goes through top of the group with seven points, Spain. Uh, there were questions if they would even qualify up to yesterday, but they put it on Slovakia 5-0. Uh, Slovakia, one of the third-place teams, the second third-place team that did not advance along with Finland and Poland. Uh, you know, Poland almost took it back there after being down 2-0 to Sweden. They tie it, and it was pretty much Lewandowski. And nobody else for Poland because he did not get any help. So maybe a, a little surprise here, Daniel, that Sweden wins and Poland isn't one of the three teams coming out of the group, at least in my opinion. Oh, fully, uh, fully agree with that. Um, you did uh, say, to be fair, that you thought that Sweden would go through. I didn't have them going through at all. I thought it was going to be Poland. I'll touch on them in a bit as to why I didn't think that they were able to get through. This group for me was kind of all over the place. Number yeah. one, we didn't we didn't think that Sweden would top the group, but they did. Um, I thought the way that they defended with 10 men behind the ball at all times, they never really overcommitted to anything. They looked sure of themselves in possession. I thought that they were clinical enough in front of goal. They were, they were a decent side to watch, Sweden. And... Um, that first game against Spain, I thought that they controlled the game in terms of how they kept Spain in front of them. Their possession, uh, Spain that is, wasn't particularly purposeful. And uh, in their other two games, I thought that they uh, they were good as well. Obviously, the game against Poland, Poland was uh, forced to play desperate, which is why Sweden conceded the two goals. But uh, for me, Sweden looked a proper outfit. They looked pretty good. Now, I'm going to say something about Spain, and I know that this is going to rub people the wrong way, even if you're not Spanish, because people love Spain for the football that they play. The word that summarizes Spain for me in this group is fortunate. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to go too long on this, because obviously I know we're, we're restricted for time in some way, shape, or form, but I'm going to break this down quickly. If we take a look at their first game against Sweden, they produced two quality chances, missed them both. Final 10 minutes of the match, Sweden get an absolute sitter from seven yards out, one of the biggest empty nets that I've ever seen in my life, and it was blown over the target. For 80 minutes of that game, Sweden controlled them by staying compact behind the ball. Against Poland, uh, simply put, Spain bottled it. They missed the penalty, then the rebound comes out from that exact same penalty, and then it was blown wide. Um, and then, if you take a look at that match, really, Poland was on the front foot for a lot of it. In those opening two games, Scott, Spain completed 1,625 passes, and they produced one goal. That is <laughs> enough. And um, then you take a look at the third game. Okay, now people are going to look at the scoreline and say, oh, they, they battered Slovakia 5-0. It was nil-nil up to 30 minutes against Slovakia. Okay, so that, that's the first thing I want to say. And they had to rely on the goalkeeper punching the ball into his own net to get off the mark and for them to get confidence. And... Yes, they scored five goals, but then there was another own goal. So really, if you if you want to put it down to technical type stuff, they were able to put the ball in the back of the net themselves on three different occasions, not five. So for me, I say that Spain was fortunate. Now, if it was any other top nations, you know, Italy, Portugal, Belgium, France, Germany, we'd be hammering them. We'd say that that's unacceptable, etc. But because it's Spain and they're synonymous with playing beautiful football, I think in the media, it's all like forgiven almost. But for me, it's not. Um, but I, I'll just kind of stop there because I don't want to go too much. Slovakia, for me, uh, I didn't think that they were, 
going to get very far here. I think that they, they put out exactly what they could do. Um, but they were probably happy enough just to get one win in this group. And then Poland, for me, they were my dark horse in this tournament. I think the first game really took the wind out of their sails with the red card situation. They were never really able to bounce back from that. The 1-1 draw against Spain, Lewandowski, like you said, was world class. The team played really well. Then they had to play desperate against Sweden, and uh, ultimately they weren't able to get it done. Daniel, let's move to the Group of Death, Group F. Now, I was watching, and I'm sure you were yesterday afternoon with both matches taking place, uh, Portugal taking on France, Germany, and Hungary. And you kind of thought, okay, Germany's going to roll over Hungary, and uh, France and Portugal are going to play to a draw, or maybe one's going to win, and those three teams advance. Well, it didn't quite go that way. It ended up being that all three of the top teams advance. France uh, goes 1-0-2. They top the group with five points after drawing with Portugal 2-2 yesterday. Germany gets second in the group, and they were down to Hungary uh, you know, past the 80-minute mark in Munich yesterday before they leveled that game, and the 2-2 draw got them through. Portugal also through as a third-place uh, team with four points. And, you know, Hungary, I mean, they played about maybe seven or eight bad minutes all tournament. And that was against Portugal. It was nil-nil going into the 80th minute. And then Portugal got a goal, and they tacked on a couple others. They played the world champs, uh, the World Cup champs, France, to a 1-1 draw in Bucharest. And then yesterday, a 2-2 draw to Germany. So Hungary... Didn't go through, but well, I've got to tell you, they have to be just very proud in that country of how that team did. So, uh, Daniel, we got the three teams that we thought were going to go through, but boy, that was some wild action yesterday because there were certain points where Germany was going out, then Portugal was going out, then Hungary was going out, then Germany was going out again. <laughs> Finally, Hungary goes out, but uh, certainly that group, a little surprise on how that all shook out, but the best three teams in the group advance. Yeah, it's exactly as we thought it would, but uh, not as easy as we thought it would be. France, Germany, and Portugal, like you say, go through. France, for me, they looked good in uh, in the group. Five out of a possible nine points to top the group. I thought that they have they had three decent performances. I'm not going to say that it was uh, to their standard, but obviously they were up against some really good competition. Then Hungary was able to surprise them as well. Um, I think that there might be a few defensive concerns with France, but overall, again, I think that they were pretty stable, pretty structured, and I think that they, they look a side that's going to obviously go quite far in this tournament. Germany, for me, they had three games in the group stage, and they had three very different performances. I thought against France, uh, they struggled in certain areas. You have to remember that France did have two goals that were ruled out, so the, the result was only 1-0, but it could have been... Uh, a lot worse. I thought that throughout the group stage overall that Germany was really good in possession. Everything was pretty much kept to two touch. The ball was moved quick. They were really strong in wide areas and they were able to get good crosses into the box and some end product on uh, on the end of it as well. Uh, against, uh, against Portugal, that was their best game for me. They did score four, but again, they conceded two. Uh, and then finally against Hungary, that was uh, an absolute thriller and that whole day yesterday was really a thriller for, for how that, that all went down. But Germany, I think, a few defensive concerns with conceding five goals, but ultimately they are through. Portugal, two words, Cristiano Ronaldo. If it's mm. than his five goals and one assist, I don't know. They'd be, I guess, at home on their coast just like we are. But um, 
for me, again, three different games, three different, very different performances from the Portuguese. I think not having Joao Cancelo there really hurts them. I don't think that Semedo is, is a good fit at that right back position as far as I'm concerned. But obviously, we'll see how they're going to match up against Belgium, which we're going to talk about shortly. And then Hungary, unbelievable as far as I'm concerned. I thought that they were going to get absolutely walked in this group, but they were uh, they were really good. They played uh, that 5-3-2. They, they were really good, compact behind the ball. Great statistic for you here, Scott. Their average distance when defending 10 men behind the ball from their deepest defender, which is one of their center backs typically, and their highest player on the field, which is one of their strikers, 17.35 meters. And in soccer wow. terms, incredibly compact. So it's no kidding that it took 84 minutes for Portugal to score a goal. It's no kidding that uh, it, France was only able to produce one goal. And it's no surprise that Germany had to leave it right to the end to, to get a second goal against them either. I think that uh, Marco Rossi, their manager, deserves a ton of credit, as does uh, all of that team. They were able to get a draw with the world champions. They tied Germany, and they put in a pretty good performance against Portugal as well. So this group, the group of death, was really fun to watch, and yesterday was a, a thrilling end to it. Yeah, it sure was. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you on the special edition of the game, the soccer edition, and sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza, the power of our special edition upload. Shout out to Mike Flamia, local successful business owner, multiple locations, affordable and delicious pizza, and sponsored by North Shore Sports and Auto. Looking for a toy? Look no further than North Shore. Family owned and locally operated by Ryan and Jordan Roquetta. Cousins to both Dave and Daniel. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left, Daniel. So let's go through the matchups and let's do it bracket style. Uh, the games, or I should say the matches take place uh, starting on Saturday. And so let's start with maybe the easiest uh, road to the semifinal. Uh, the first match will take place on Saturday between Wales and Denmark. And then the other game in that bracket is on Sunday at noon between the Netherlands and the Czech Republic. So, Daniel, I'll look at those two matchups, and who do you like in those games? So, Wales-Denmark, for me, I take a look at form. Wales lost their, their most previous game to basically the, the Italian reserves, essentially, where Denmark was able to, to really come out on top. I thought they were fantastic. And uh, I, I think, for me, I, I'm not going to lie, I have Denmark winning this one. Um and in terms of the Netherlands, Czech Republic, I don't think that the Czechs are going to have enough against the Netherlands. Maybe if it was a different matchup, I'd be a little bit more concerned. I think Gino Wijnaldum and Frankie de Jong are going to play really well for the Netherlands. And uh, I could see the Netherlands winning that one as well over the Czech Republic. I'm going to be a little different. Uh, Wales 5-1 to underdogs, if you believe the sports books, which I do. And so I'm going to take them just because I got to pick an upset somewhere of the eight matches. And that's about the only one that I'm going to see as a potential. So I'm going to take Wales out of there. And I agree with you. I think the Dutch just have a little too much for the Czech Republic. Again, Czech Republic kind of happy to be there. And I think there's a few teams like that. Uh, certainly, uh, they're going to need a lot of magic, I think, to beat the Dutch in that one. So looking at the top of that bracket. Daniel, uh, other matches going on. Uh, England, these matches both on Tuesday, June 29th. England winning their group, and they get to face Germany at Wembley. That one will be next Tuesday at noon, and the winner of that one will take on the winner of the other match. Sweden group winners taking on Ukraine, one of the third-place teams. How do you like those matches? What do you see out of those, sir? 
So when it comes to England, Germany, there's five different things that I look at, and I'll, and I'll fire them off real quickly. Number one, experience. Germany ticks that box. Number two, defending. If you take a look in this tournament, uh, England actually ticks that box because they haven't conceded a goal yet. Attacking, I would say that Germany is the better side there, even though that you could argue that England has better players technically. Fourth one for me is current form. England is on better form. They've claimed seven out of nine points, whereas Germany have claimed um, four out of nine points. And then final, the uh, one that I'm going to look at here is advantages. And the one advantage that lies in this game for either team is where this game is being played. It's being played at Wembley Stadium. So for that reason, I think that history is going to turn on its head. I'm taking England in this game. And I know that might shock some people, but that's, uh, that's what I'm taking there. I think it could possibly go the distance, but I got England in that game. And then for Sweden and Ukraine, I think Ukraine, obviously, they, they've done just the, the bare minimum to get through. Sweden, again, I, I doubted them in the group stage. I'm not going to doubt them here. I think that they look a decent outfit to at least get to the quarterfinals. So I'm going to take Sweden over Ukraine. Daniel, I'm going to agree with you on both. A lot of yellow and blue in that Sweden-Ukraine game, that's for sure. Uh, I, I like Sweden in that one. I think just they have a little better form heading in to the knockout stage. And, and like you said, England, Germany, I think you broke it down very well. And I think the home field advantage will certainly help the English. And I don't think we've seen the best out of them and they haven't given up a goal. So I like England in this one. Certainly, let's hope it doesn't get to penalty kicks if you're an England fan, although they did win their last international competition uh, against Colombia in the World Cup. England doesn't win a whole lot of penalty kick uh, contests. So I like Sweden and England in those two matches as well. Looking at the other side of the bracket, the bracket of death, as I have been calling it, uh, you have Belgium taking on Portugal, probably the best matchup, I think, of the first round. Certainly, England-Germany is a good matchup as well, but Belgium-Portugal will match up. That one will be on Sunday at 3, and the winner of that one will take on the winner of the Saturday round of 16 match between Italy and Austria. Certainly, I think I know where you're going with one, Daniel. Uh, the other, that's a tough one to pick. What do you think? So I'm going to start with Belgium and Portugal. I think, like you said, in terms of quality, this has to be the game of the round of 16. I think, obviously, England and Germany has the most hype around it. However, this one with Belgium and Portugal, I think, obviously, the X factor is going to be Cristiano Ronaldo if he can produce a world-class performance. I think Portugal is going to absolutely need that because I see too many deficiencies with them, whereas with Belgium, I really don't see any deficiencies with them. Uh, the only thing that I can really say because I am a huge fan of Ronaldo because I do want obviously Portugal to, to succeed even though I'm not Portuguese I just really like that team I think that if Ronaldo doesn't even turn up to, to, to let's say put in that world-class performance I think Belgium will have their way I just think that they're just too good of a squad at this moment in time I think again I go back to Joel Cancelo him not being there I think that that hurts them massively I think that Portugal to this point probably have conceded a couple too many goals, but for me, I'm going to have to take Belgium there just from a team and a collective point of view. And then on the other side with Italy and Austria, I think that Italy have more experience. I think that they have more quality. I think they have better players. I think they have better management. And I think that they play to a better system. So again, an honor for Austria to be here. But for me, I think Italy takes that game relatively comfortably.
Yeah, I see it the same way. Uh, Belgium, Portugal. I, I just think Belgium has less room for error than Portugal. And Portugal certainly has some questions, especially at the back end. So I like Belgium there. That one very well could go to penalty kicks. But I like Belgium and their experience there. Italy, Austria. I mean, until Italy gives up a goal, it's pretty tough to pick against them. I don't see them doing that in this match as well. I think of all the first or I should say the round of 16 matchups, Italy-Austria might have the the biggest uh, scoreline uh, differential as far as blowouts. Uh, the other two matchups, Daniel, in the round of 16, France, uh, winners of the group of death, they'll take on Switzerland, and you have Croatia taking on Spain. Uh, you know, Croatia, they were in the World Cup final just uh, three years ago. Spain, obviously, winning a couple tournaments here over the past, uh, you know, 10 or so years, including a couple Euros. How do you see these two matches shaking out? Uh, for me, I'll take a look there at, at France and Switzerland first. I think that it's going to be France all day long. And the reason I say that is because for, for a lot of the same reasons that I said that Italy will win, I think that they have better players, better system of play, better management, more experience. I think that you name it that they, they tick every box. Switzerland, like I said, they did not impress me in any way, shape, or form during the group stage. I thought that they were, were a little bit absent-minded in terms of tactics and the way that they applied themselves from a mental toughness point of view. So for me, I think that France is going to take that one comfortably. And then the Croatia-Spain game, this one for me is the weirdest one and the most difficult to predict because I wasn't overly impressed with Spain. Croatia seems to be hitting uh, form at the right time. So I think that this one's going to actually go right to the end, whether it's the better end of 90 minutes or extra time or penalties. But I'm going to give one more pass here, and I'm going to say that Spain is going to win that, even though I am a bit reluctant to say it because I don't particularly like the look of that squad at this moment in time. But I will take Spain. Yeah, I'm going to take Spain and France as well, Daniel. Uh, so we have seven of the eight uh, same picks Yep. As far as our round of 16, with the only difference being Wales and Denmark. So, Danny, we got just a few minutes left uh, before we get to the local soccer and end the show. How do you like your quarterfinal matchups? How do you like your semifinal matchups? And who, in, in a couple weeks after 4th of July, I believe the July 6th is the final, who's going to be the 2020 Euro Cup champion here in 2021? So, I, I take a look at that. That bracket of death, as you called it, I really like that one, Scott. I really do. Um, and I think that that one's going to shake up pretty interesting. I actually think that if you take a look at the way that England is set up here, I do believe that if they get past Germany, I think that their fate is that they will reach the final. That That's my personal opinion. And I think when you take a look on the other side, that France, uh, sorry, beg my pardon, that Belgium-Italy clash, which I think will happen, that's going to be a tough one. But regardless of what happens on that side, I see that France is probably going to do it. And I'm not going to change my pick at this point. Obviously, I want Italy to win. But I think come the final, when that time does come, I still believe that France is going to have enough quality and enough uh, experience to get it done. What do you think, Scott? I think we are on the same page, Daniel. I have Italy, France, England, and the Netherlands. I agree 100%. England's biggest match, uh, if they do win, it will be that game against Germany because then they likely take on Sweden and then the Netherlands. 
it's going to be a lot different for France. You know, they're going to take on Spain again, not quite the Spain that we've seen in the past years, but that top side of the bracket with Belgium, Portugal, and Italy, certainly whoever comes out of there will be a bit beat up. And I just don't think that we've seen the best out of France just yet. And, and, you know, Mbappe hasn't even scored yet. So I, I think France's best days are to come, but boy, to have a France England Euro final at Wembley and now what 40,000 fans, Daniel, certainly going to be very exciting. It was a tough day today. I got to be honest. I played some FIFA soccer because I've been watching soccer for the last two weeks and there was nothing on, but that'll change starting on Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Daniel, uh, before we end the show, uh, do you have any updates as far as uh, Algoba University and over in Sioux, Ontario, as far as the world of local soccer? Well, in terms of Algoma University, we do have plans to start training camp late August. So, again, positive signs for us starting to get uh, plans into place for when the players do return to campus. We're going to obviously have to wait to see what the if there's going to be quarantine requirements or things of that nature. But regardless, we are looking to start training camp late August with our season starting in September. So, again, super exciting things on the horizon. And for us as coaches and, and as an organization, uh, at Algoma University, we're looking forward to what's ahead of us. And then return to play in uh, in Ontario for soccer. Phase one right now going well. We're able to train at this particular moment in time in a socially distanced fashion. But phase two coming very, very, very soon. Might even be bumped up by a couple of days. Um, so on this side of the border, Scott, we're looking at, uh, we're looking at returning to some normalcy and uh, hopefully we'll be able to start league play around July the 5th and uh, you know we could we could confidently say that in some way shape or form sports are back and uh, for me I'm very happy about that so soccer is coming back here and, and we're very happy about it Scott. And that's good to hear Daniel and of course here locally in Sioux Michigan the Sioux Soccer Association they've had their season up and running since May and I believe it goes till the end of July so certainly lots of youngsters getting some good experience in the world of soccer. Uh, that'll do it for this special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. Uh, Scott Nation along with Daniel Scarpino and Daniel great show as always. Uh, we'll probably do our next show right after the Euros in a couple weeks. Uh, certainly going to be a lot of fun. Heck, the group stages were something, but boy, when you get to the knockout stages and potential extra time and, and penalty kicks, it's going to be a lot of fun. So enjoy watching the rest of the Euro. I'm rooting for England. I know you're probably rooting for Italy, but it's yep. whoever wins certainly will learn. It's been a great tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, to reconnecting once again for our third episode after the tournament's done. But yeah, we know in, uh, in soccer that with these one-off games, there's, there's not two likes to play where, we could say that the better team is going to win or, or things like that. Anything can happen, and that's why we love uh, these types of tournaments. That's why they don't come around often, but when they do, man, are we locked in. So it's going to be a, a fun final uh, couple weeks here, and looking forward to how this uh, this tournament finishes up, Scott. Thank you for today. As a, yeah, thank you, and as am I, and we'll talk about the Gold Cup coming up uh, for CONCACAF in July and certainly recap the Euro Cup and look at the uh, Copa America, which is going yep. on in South America. So always a lot to talk about in the world of soccer. That's going to do it for this special edition of the game sports show, soccer edition for Daniel Scarpino and David McKay Jr. My name is Scott Nason. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks for our next edition here at the game sports show.com.